Hi all, this is Laurie Handlers, and I'm hosting Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. And I am thrilled to be back with you today. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. I come to you in peace. My subject today is what some people might call the darker side, but this might not be an appropriate label. I really often wonder if people let themselves go for if they really let themselves go for it in the realms of pleasure, just how much happier they would be. It occurs to me that many of the people I meet on a day-to-day basis, either at something like a networking event or at an introduction to Tantra, are seeking something, desperately seeking something. Often they think it's sex-related, something to spice up their sex lives, but they're not certain what this will lead to, and they're fraught with fear. So they keep themselves from real serious exploration. My guest today is someone who came to my bliss class five or six years ago and went on his own personal quest to find out just what experiences he could conjure up in his life. In the years since that first class, he's shifted and changed from a basically shy guy to one who now leads his own groups in the exploration of sensation and sheer experience the whole gamut of possibilities, even what some might call the darker side. So let's see what he found out and what we can find out for ourselves as we find out about all this. Om Rupani is a New York-based photographer and now teacher. He's been my student in many, many classes and many times, and now he's my dear friend. Hi, Om. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Hey, Laurie. It's great to be back on again. That's <laughs> great. Last time we were together, we talked about longing for Osho. And um, this time we're going to talk about what you were longing for besides Osho. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, so tell me a little bit about what how what brought you to Tantra, first of all, in the first place. Like, how did you find me? And then after finding me, you know, let's talk about all the other things you found and, and right. where that's led you to at this point. Because you are certainly, I don't know if I'd call you a renaissance guy, but because I, I that, what? I'll go with that label. Sounds good. <laughs> you, but you're like a new renaissance guy. You're not necessarily somebody who gazes at the stars. And also, you know, cooks and also, you know, runs a company or whatever. You're somebody who has created your own renaissance in in uh, personal growth exploration, particularly in sexual and sensation realms. So, I don't know. You're a renaissance guy. Okay. So, <laughs> so how did you, first of all, how did you get to Tantra? Let's start with that. Of course, you're Indian, but I don't know that that had anything to do with getting to Tantra? Uh, no, it did not really have anything directly to do with it. Uh, as you know, I've been with the same wonderful woman for many, many years. We have finished our 20th anniversary this year. Congratulations. <laughs> wow. And uh, the desire for seeking your course, similar courses, was to look for some elements that would you know, help us break through the places we were stuck in our communication, in our sex life, in our relating. So, and there isn't that much readily available in this area. 
there might be places where you can go where things are disastrously bad, but we weren't there. We were pretty good. We just wanted to make things a little bit better. So in my search, I found you. You seem to be offering ways for people to clear themselves, to see each other more clearly. And it worked. You're a wonderful teacher. You helped us a lot. Thank so that you. was kind of the start with you and with some other teachers and to what I would say is modern day Tantra. I'm not quite sure how how it relates to the ancient traditions, but it's a good one. I'm glad it's there. I'm glad it's out here for us. Yeah, I think the question that you raise is really a good one, like modern Tantra. They call it Neo-Tantra, Western Tantra. It really, I'm sure it differs greatly from the Vedas and the lessons that people were taught thousands of years ago. You know, the truth is, even these Veda scholars and these Tantric scholars who study this in university, it's all in their heads. You know, they're st- so it's like a knowledge-based thing that they translate right. and, and study from Sanskrit. But, you know, I don't think we're ever going to see that again. I don't think we're... We may... Drop my glasses. We may never know what, in fact, those ancient tantrics were really doing. But you know what? You are having so much fun in your life, and I'm having so much fun in our, my life. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, I think I think I agree with that completely. I mean, we've been to India together. We've seen those temples, and we have heard the stories, and I've read quite a bit. But even then, to me, it feels those ancient traditions are kind of lost to us a little bit. There is good information there for us to be had, but it is not a living tradition in India. You won't find Tantra in India. So it's right. although, although you, it's an Indian, it's a tradition that blossomed in India. It, it is not there now. It was there a thousand years ago. Well, they do say that there are some tantrics in in caves in Kerala in the south of India, and also some people in Rishikesh. That I'd have to really go to these places to find them. I went there. I found one. But you know what? The guy didn't even speak Hindi, so I would have had to find a translator. Who- yeah, I hope I they're there. Have, you know, they stay there for months and months and months trying to well, thin this guy down. There, there have always been great stories of these small mystery schools and all the traditions, and I hope they still exist. But even even if they exist, obviously they are not there to be found easily. They are not there. They're not easily accessible. No, they're not. So and could, they're not open to us. You could be waiting there almost, you know, aging 60 years or so by the time you find them and they connect with you. You know, it's not, it's, it's not worth it in a lifetime, to, I think, to go exploring. So I think of necessity I can see why this culture has sprouted. You are here serving a very much-needed space, you know, doing the teaching that you're doing. And the, all the work that I have done has been in a vein of similar exploration to see what I can find here today. Yeah, and you know what? When you started, there wasn't as much around as there is now, which, of course, we're going to get into. Yeah, it seems to be growing year after year. I don't know if it's just because my eyes are wider open or it's actually growing, but it certainly is more of it around. No, it's exponentially growing. People are getting much more used. They're finding sex exploration much more user-friendly and much less, What's the? what do I want to say, much less... Labeled as the outer fringe or the king, 
people right. are less seen as kinky weirdos than they were you, 10 years ago. It is, and I think even the idea that sex can be spiritual, that it can be a gateway into presence. Maybe if you said that 10, 20 years ago, people would just giggle at you thinking, you know, you were just looking for an excuse to have some mischief. But today it is almost a very common idea. It does not seem like a very unreasonable thing to say that if you are seeking spiritual openings, that sexuality can be one of the doors. Listen, as far as I'm concerned, it's the most powerful door. It's so it's a, totally amazing. I never in my life dreamed I'd be doing this. And I imagine at some point you didn't dream of it in your life either. I I'm, couldn't have dreamt it five years ago. Right. right. I mean, that's, you know... When we when we met, I mean, you. I just want to explain a little bit to people listening a little bit about how you were, how you occurred. You were a guy in your head. You were thinking all the time. I mean, you're a really smart guy, and you're really analytical. Right. Some of it you probably still are that way, but we, you just don't. You occur much more. I think COVID, I'm still that way, but other other doors have opened up. And you're much more embodied. You're right. in your body now. You can feel things. You can feel your pain. You're not so concerned with the right answer or the evaluation about. Right. You, like you're yeah. somebody who just jumps into the experience now without having to know why are we doing this. Yes, even even I can perceive that. I'm sure you can perceive it even more clearly having known me through the shifts. But back then, the head, the analysis, the logic, understanding seemed to be the gateway, you know, knowledge and understanding of things seemed to be, let me figure it out, but, you know. I think, the first, I think the first time you came to a Tantra class, you said, I want to understand, I mean, when I said, what's your intention, you said, I want to understand, I want to have a greater understanding, <laughs> and I want to know, I want to understand this thing you're talking about, the unknown. Right. I want to understand, I said, well, you can't, I remember saying to you, there's no way you're going to understand it. It seemed like a reasonable request to me that I want to understand all the mystery that there is to know. It seemed, and I, I think the desire behind it is still true. I just don't. I have, uh, as I said, more doorways to go through to find it. Yeah, you, you let your body have the experience and your mind started to catch up. Oh, hey, this is interesting. Wow, this felt like this. And then all the... New paradigms come in, new brain patterns come in, new ways of handling situations come in when you're not just trying to figure it out. I think the desire back then and even now is to have a first-hand experience, to have my own knowledge, even if not knowledge, to have my, not to feel it viscerally within myself, but back then I would think the only way to have that is to have mental understanding, but today I understand it can happen through the body. That's so great. And it is as much of evidence as, you know, any logical proof you can come up with because you've been through it. And it's right. very subjective. So it's, it, it is not of the same quality. It is not something you can package and hand to anyone else. But there are other ways of sharing. I think that is also the desire of how do we reproduce these very subjective experiences that people have had, these peak experiences. Well, you know... Um what you just said is so, it's so key, it's so critical, and, and the thing I want to say about it is, imagine that really the whole body, every cell in our body is a brain. It's not just that the brain is a brain. Right. Every, 
every cell in our body has neurons and receptors and nerves that fire and all kinds of things that send information to the brain that sorts it out. But these right. are all brain receptors. So the whole body, as far as I'm concerned, is one big brain. I would agree with that. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Eckhart Tolle, and he speaks of the inner body, and that to me is a good paradigm to walk around with. But there is this inner system in me that feels, and that is very intelligent. And it is intelligent instantaneously, without analysis, without breaking things down into pieces. It just knows directly. Exactly. It's, it's my instrument of knowing. Exactly. So there. So it's great. I'm so. I really applaud you for that step you took on that day, whatever it was, a Saturday or a Sunday in New York. I really applaud you, and I applaud you for the for your continued pushing your boundaries and pushing your container into well, you know, the hugeness kind of, that you are. I'm kind of a relentless person, so relentless. Yeah, I think once I get, once I walk through the door, I kind of go all the way. So it's great. It's really great, and I I actually wish that on everybody else I know. <laughs> I wish they would. I wish people would really once started stop stopping themselves from right. having these amazing experiences. I, some people wait years and years. They take one class and then they wait three or four years before having the next one, and they can barely remember what happened the first time. Yeah, there is something to be said for momentum. And then on the other hand, I would say, you know, go at your own pace. Who am I to tell you how to live your life? But in my own life, I can certainly see it's like you open one door and usually there's an invitation to another one. That's like a window. Right, right, right. It's yeah. very opportune at times. Well, in a, we're going to pause here for a moment, but when we come back, I want to start really delving into some of the things that you've explored and okay. then some of the some of the now some of the realizations that you have. So we'll be right back. In case you've just tuned in, you're listening to Tantra Cafe. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host. And my guest today is Om Rupani, who is a New York-based photographer, and now he's a teacher of I don't we're gonna find out exactly what he's teaching because he's he's dived in head first and then whole body into so many experiences that have led him into spaces that most people wish they could experience. So we'll be right back. If you're wondering what book you should read to jumpstart your sex life and increase your happiness, try my book, Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy. This short, easy-to-read book will make you laugh at yourself and possibly even make you cry as you discover my tantric secrets for happiness and how they apply to you. In the book, I begin with the tenth law, make love in the unknown, and then work you all the way through laws one through nine to teach you how to be in the unknown, fresh, every moment, every day. Sex and happiness puts the innocence and love back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. It's only $19.99 in paperback and $14.99 in ebook. You can go to sexandhappiness.com to order your copy of Sex and Happiness by me, Laurie Handlers. That's sexandhappiness.com. Well, we're back, and you're listening now. You're tuned in to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment 
I'm Laurie Handlers, your host, and my guest today is Om Rupani, who is formerly a student of mine, a very, very dear friend of mine, an intimate friend of mine, somebody who I hang out with a lot. And he's here today to talk about the exploration that he went on to look to see what was possible in his life through sensation, through sexual experience, through opening things up in what people would call the darker side, and we're going to find out what he found out. So, Om. Yes. Just, if you could, enumerate. I mean, I tried to make a list of things that you sampled in the past five years, and I, I can only come up with a few of them. I know you sampled one taste, which is... Right which teaches orgasmic meditation. You sampled Dark Odyssey. You sampled Mark Groups and tie-ups and all kinds of things. So I, I want to know, you know, you could just take one and say, you know, what, how that's changed and shifted your life from a, a shy guy who was right. mostly behind the scenes in the camera, behind the camera, now you're kind of in the forefront. So, so what? You know, you can take any progression you want, but what would you what would you say really had a big effect on you besides tantra? Well, I think Laurie, in the ancient traditions, they used to take kids and they used to put them in ashrams at age seven and give them a complete education. I think our equivalent of that is a workshop obsession, pretty much. So I think my journey has been a journey to, you know, the workshops in this field. And I'm sure I'm not alone. I have many fellow travelers. And it just starts with that, looking around, looking to see what is around, trying out a class, hearing about some teacher. You know, and then you start meeting your fellow travelers and you get recommendations. Have you tried this teacher? Have you tried that? Have you read that book? So I think... They just went along. There wasn't exactly a coherent plan behind any of it, really. I found you. I found Sherry Vincent in New York. She's a wonderful teacher. I took a couple of classes with her. I took a class with Tala Tara, another teacher in New York. I would Teeny. visit. Teeny. Teeny Dakini. is a friend and is a wonderful teacher, has great classes. I took a course with her. One of the first ones I took, she has a class for men only, teaching them, you know how to handle the female psyche, how to better handle the female body. I recommend her course to pretty much every man on the planet. She's wonderful. Did you ever have a private session with her? I have, yeah, a couple of times. Great, great. And she so has, she taught I mean, you how to maneuver your own body as well, no? She has very much to kind of get in touch with my inner body, feel it more completely, trust it actually. You know? So it's been a journey through workshops mainly, and it's been the discoveries I've made along the way, and then certain people, certain schools, and I took one class and then moved on, and it was enough. I mean, I took uh, the introductory class Charles Muir offers, and I thought it was wonderful, but I don't have any plans of visiting him in Hawaii at his advanced level. That was good enough for me. And then there were other things which which kind of became deeper exploration, and, and one taste was one of them. Yeah, so one taste we and we and you invited me to that. So I also had that experience. I only had the introductory experience, but we we took you invited me to a class where we learned how to do orgasmic meditation. 
Right. And that was, it was an amazing exploration for me, and it was, went very deep for you. You hung around there for a few years. I did. I was participating in the community, and then I was a leader in the community for about a year in New York. So what, that, did, what is orgasmic meditation? Orgasmic meditation, the way Vantesh teaches it, is a 15-minute practice. It's a very deliberate practice of using hands on genitals, mainly men stroking women. And it is very structured. It's 15 minutes. It's timed. And men stroke women specifically on their clitoris, especially on the upper left hand on the clitoris. And the and it's a very light stroke. And the thought behind the meditation is to simply feel one's body and to be present to all the sensations that are there. So you, the stroker, would feel what's happening in your body while you were stroking the clitoris of a woman yes. for 15 minutes and watching and feeling and being with the ride, I guess. Right. Yeah. of what would be happening in her body what she was receiving your stroke. Right. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that you went so... I mean, to some people, this, this I know what we're saying right now is, is going to sound amazing. Like, what? You right. went to a class to learn to touch a woman for 15 yeah, it, minutes? It sounded, it sounded amazing and crazy to me also, and it, it does to everyone, considering the context we grew up in around sexuality, but again, being on my exploration and on my workshop track, I took their class. I took what was then the opening course with Nicole Dedon, the founder of One Taste, and I learned the technique and I got deeper into it, and it's really wonderful. It has enhanced my life a great deal. It has been amazing at like several different levels, even for people who are not that interested in bringing spirituality into sex, which the practice is supposed to be at its essence. It is an amazing way of simply learning the body, the anatomy, the, uh, the specifics of the ups and downs of feelings and sensation to becoming sensitive to all that. So it is an amazing practice. And, and also to different bodies. Because in, at, at, in this orgasmic meditation practice, right. you could have many partners. And it, wouldn't, right. it would not be considered that you would be having sex with these partners. It's kind of like the Bill Clinton thing, like he didn't inhale. You know, or well, he wasn't really having sex. I mean, I don't know. For some people, they would consider this to be a sexual right. act. Well, and, it, it's tricky where you draw the lines. I would also consider it to be a sex act. I think to say your hands are on someone's genitals and it is not sexual is slightly absurd. But in its context, it is very specific. There has kind of, the practice kind of has a certain discipline around it, which I greatly love and I want to bring to my own work, which is that it is a complete practice. The, one of the biggest things that gets in the way is, you know, men and women feel they kind of owe each other things. You know, this can come into play even with, like, oral sex. I do you, you do me. And that's a very bad formula. It's a very losing formula for people. It makes them feel that they have to pay for their pleasure, that if they receive something, they have to give an equal amount. So one of the cornerstones of the oming practice at one taste was that it's a complete practice. When you're done in 15 minutes, you're done. Nobody owes anyone anything. So the woman is getting stroked for her pleasure for her presence for her practice and the man is doing exactly the same 
You know, he, he's not he's not expecting anything after the 15 minutes. And if, if that is not right with you, don't get into it. Yeah, that's amazing. That whole, actually, that's probably what led me to go to that class. The right. part where Nicole said this, if women were just given as much sexual attention and stroking as they wanted as to fill them up, right. they would they would get comfortable with it and they would stop and they would start giving freely to men so it would it would offset that imbalance where men look like they're always grabbing they're always right. trying to get some right and i've seen that you know i was I was part of the one dish community for over 2 years and i kind of saw that dynamic it works that women because, would just freely give i mean if more than that, that if you take this OZ's equation out of the picture, it really changes things. And it takes this really ingrained. I didn't quite know it, but, you know, once we had many wonderful courses at One Taste, they're still going on. One of them was, you know, where women would tell you the truth. Women would tell the men the truth about, you know, what really goes through their head, the kind of things that they usually don't because they don't want to be the bad guy. And one of the facts, many wonderful things came out of that class, but one of the things that really struck me was just how much women calculate, will I have to pay for this? If I receive right. this pleasure, if I receive this attention, what will it cost me? What will this cost me? And if you can really get in there and say it's not going to cost you anything, just take, it really loosen it just it just creates a shift that is probably needed in the world yes i i agree with you i really agree with you i agree with it with the practice of it and i'll just let people know if they if you want more information about it you should go to one dot com or one taste dot us us yeah yeah so you can find out more about that practice so you can find you can get classes on that in New York and San Francisco. And Om and I, of course, took the courses in New York, and then he went to San Francisco and blah, blah, blah. But I thank you for that. That's what you could – I gave you Charles Muir, and you gave me Nicole. So <laughs> we got <laughs> – You see, the, the workshop journey continues even for the teachers. So it was great for me to see you find new stuff. You know? Oh, I, you know, I loved it. I loved both of those courses, and right. I – I've taken some more things now. You know, I'm really picky about where I'm going to go uh, right. put my body. And um, I love those. I just love those courses. And, of course, I've loved working with Teeny a lot. So so you really, I mean, just I could see from what you're saying how you really threw yourself into these experiences and really started growing, like taking ground in the way of your personal power. Because if you could decipher this whole, or get off this whole game with women, right. this whole she owes me, I owe her, da da da, and you could get really have really straight communication. And I mean, you delved into. It. I mean, you there are people who, I mean, so you could say that people pay people booty calls. There are people who pay you om medita oming meditation calls. <laughs> well, you know? for the people who have taken the course, there's you know who are interested in doing orgasmic meditation as a practice. It kind of is a spiritual practice. 
So once you kind of get past the strangeness of it, once you get past, you know, the taboo that you get when you first hear about it, you can realize it is not, well, it is different, but fundamentally it is not different from other things that people might get together. People, you know, people get together here all the time to do dynamic ocean meditations. Or they get together to do emotional release work that you teach. So in that context, a couple of people getting together to do a practice that they believe in, that helps them, that gives them pleasure, that clears their system, which does not sound that weird after after you do it for a while. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So wonderful. Thanks for setting it in that context. It's so important. Well, it's so important to get that our bodies are clean. Our bodies are sacred. Our bodies are an instrument of learning. Our bodies are an instrument to use to calm down, to use to spool up, whatever. It's an energy thing. It's a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's all of it. So it's it's perfect. We're gonna we're gonna take another pause here for a moment, and I just want to let people know you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host, and today my guest is my dear friend, Om Rupani. And Om is telling us about how he threw himself into workshop after workshop and he has shifted and changed the entire course of his life. We'll be right back. If you're listening to Tantra Cafe, congratulations. You've reached a higher plane of consciousness in caring for yourself and caring for your significant other. Tantra can help with physical and emotional bonding to nurture your relationship. And there's another level of care that you should be considering as well. It's your family's financial well-being. I rely on DeLone Financial Services to guide me on this journey. And Jeff DeLone is my friend. He and I have worked together for years. He even helps care for my father's finances. For information about your family's financial planning, contact Jeff DeLone at 610-356-1253. That's 610-356-1253. Or you can email Jeff at jdelone at delonefinancialgroup.com. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through FSC Securities Corporation. Member FINRA SIPC. Jeff DeLone is a registered representative with FSC Securities Corporation. DeLone Financial Group is not. Well, we're back with you. This is Lori Handlers, and you are listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. By the way, you can always reach me at www.butterflyworkshops.com if you want more information about my classes. In Tantra, as you know, many of my guests have been through my classes. We've met through Tantra, etc. If you want to find out how you can throw yourself in to a workshop, just go to my website, butterflyworkshops.com. You can go on my newsletter, sign up for it, and I will be back in touch with you. So, my guest today is someone who did that very thing. His name is Om Rupani, and he's telling us about how he really just took the dive, took the plunge, went into Tantra, and that led to many Tantric experiences and Tantric-related experiences. And 
really his whole life has shifted. Some people might call his exploration the exploration of the darker side. Some people these days would just call it normal, wanting to just conjure up experiences to enhance your life. So, Om, after or during this orgasmic meditation practice, which we were talking about in the last segment, you, I mean, you came to, right around the one taste time, you, you came to my ecstasy course, and, I, when, and we were talking about intentions then, and you said, I want to really explore my shadow. I right. want to explore the dark side. So, how have you done? It's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a game in progress, let's say. It's an exploration in progress. And it's been a lot of fun. It's uh, yeah. Again, sorry to keep going back to the same analogy, but it's like new doors opening, new rooms, finding new rooms, finding new, finding new things in myself, finding new things in our psyche as a whole. And for a lot of people, these would be these. Some of these experiences might be scary, or um, or. They, their minds might label them. We're, I mean, I know, for example, I've seen some of your photographs where you do artistic tying up of people, of models. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if they're models or not. I don't know who they are because their faces are rarely in the photographs, but they're very sensual and very juicy. I mean, the bodies yeah. that you pick, you don't, you don't pick people who would be necessarily on the cover of L or well, you know, you want to put a woman in rope. You want some flesh penetrating through that rope. So yeah, it's <laughs> great. I love the way you put that flesh penetrating through that rope. Yeah. So I mean, how did how did you get interested in this rope stuff? And where well, did you, where did you find a course in that? Uh, once again, you need to find course in anything like that. Come to New York. Actually, you probably don't even need to come to New York. It's everywhere, really. You have to look for it. But my entry into it really, again, was uh, it was just the aesthetic of rope. I had seen bondage photographs, and I love the way rope looks. I think even people who are not into any of this stuff can probably appreciate the beauty of it. So my initial curiosity was maybe I will learn some technique and take some pictures because this is really beautiful. That was uh, kind of the first entry point. To learn some rope tying techniques for, and maybe use them in photographs and shoots. Now, the first time I ever saw that your photographs of bondage was at a show you had, a one-man show. I think it was a one-man show that was at One Taste, and it was set up like a gallery. And right. I saw the pictures. I thought they were gorgeous photographs. What were some of the comments that you get? What are some of the comments that you get when people see them? Because now you have them... You know, Before you used to have ballerinas and stuff. In I your- have had a very interesting realization that usually if people get shocked by something, they really just refuse to see it. So people who are, people who are troubled by these images or the subject matter, they usually seem to just glaze over things. They seem to move on. Not too many people, I haven't seen too many people shocked what you usually get is simply silence or non-response. And that has been the case even with so many things, and which has actually taught me a very valuable lesson, which is that you don't really need to show anything 
down anyone's throat. You don't need to really confront anyone with anything. Just do your work and the people who are interested will show up. Wait for them to ask questions. Wait for them to, you know, show some curiosity and interest. Otherwise, people just pick and choose where they put their attention. So when, of course, this begs the question, though, not so much on just the observer, like when I saw your photographs, but tell me about the sensual quality that you get when you're actually tying somebody up and then going to photograph them. I mean, what is that like for you? What's happening in your body? What kind of sensation is that? Well, those are kind of two questions for me as a photographer. If I am actually tying someone for a photo shoot, if I'm really doing anything to anyone for a photo shoot, it's all about the pictures. So then it's all work. Okay, that's work. Okay, so so let's distinguish that. Yeah. And... Go ahead. And then if you're doing it for play, then you're simply doing it for the journey, for the fun of it, for the feel of it, for the ride of it. And then it's a personal experience. So that sounds like that's very similar to the, to the experience of orgasmic meditation. You're on a ride and you're listening to the sensations in your body. So, for example... Right. That analogy kind of, completely holds for me. Yeah, it is very much a ride and you're very much feeling the person's body, seeing where they want to go, seeing where they are. You know, there's a, there are a couple of analogies or metaphors that are used in this kind of relating often. It can be something like an airplane and a pilot or a horse and a rider. So there are two elements, there are two players, and they're playing slightly different roles. They are playing different roles, but they're kind of heading in the same direction. They're on the same ride, and they need to be together. And that has been, that is a continuously unfolding mystery and pleasure. It's, well, um, it's, it's very exciting to even hear you talking about it. It's a turn on to, to, to imagine it. It's a, and it's, it's, it's really exciting to hear. I, I'm, I hope that people listening will feel that way. I don't know if they will or not. We can, of course, make them. They'll move on, like you said. Just, <laughs> they will move no. on. They'll <laughs> There's so much out there. So, you know, no, no one needs to be bashed in the head with anything, really. And if you're not ready for it, if it doesn't turn you on, then by all means, you should not be you should not be engaging in it. Yeah. Hope to have fun, really. And so... I guess, I, I'm, you know, I'm not even sure what to ask you about this. I mean, I got the feeling of the sensation for I you. Can, I can tell you a little bit of, you know, uh, my first experiences kind of perked up my ears and made me realize this is not what I would have taught it to be from movies or whatever, which is yeah. the first experience. But pretty much everything you do in this field, it doesn't matter Broadly speaking, people usually play two roles, top or bottom, one in charge, one following. But whatever, if you're going to, there's a lot of education in this play, for one thing. You know, you really have to be trained. You have to know what's going on. You can't just plunge in because there's kind of, there's a lot to learn, which is part of the fun. So pretty much anything I do to anyone else, I have tried it on myself. That's kind of a basic rule. So... When I was taking my class, in a class, you just take turns tying each other up. And one of the first things that I realized is being tied up, feeling the rope is very soothing. 
it is a great opportunity for you to come into your body. Say that again, a great opportunity for what? To come into one's body, you know, to just feel centered in the body. Wow. It is not an experience of flying excitement or, oh, I'm doing something naughty. It actually creates great stillness. And I felt that in myself. And once I started, even just in a learning setting, started tying other people, and I felt it in them, that kind of threw me for a loop. You know, I'd always thought this is some kind of a kinky, perverse, weird thing, and it's screaming and yelling or whatever. I don't know what idea I had. So to kind of have my first experience of it be such profound stillness that most of us are chasing in all kinds of meditations and processes kind of made me realize there is definitely something to explore here. That this is not some, you know, some just some spice or thing to add. There is a real doorway available here. That puts it in such a different plane. It takes it out of the ball field of what, however things like this are portrayed in pornography or portrayed in adult magazines, right. and it takes it into a place of sacredness. Just what you're saying. I mean, people talk about meditation as a discipline. Right. So it seems that if someone were getting tied up and relaxing into it, it could it's like a discipline. It's like almost stoic in the possibility of it. That's uh thank you for saying that. That's such a it's such an eye opener. Right. So then you but clearly you cho- you have chosen you've chosen more of a role of top than bottom. And why is that? If you could even explain why, I don't. I don't know if it's possible. I, I, would, I would. I wouldn't even say I've chosen it. I would just say it's. It, it chose of, you. It kind of chose me. I would say just it's a matter of temperaments. It's wow. almost a way of saying, well, where do I have more fun? Where do I get off more? Got where it. Where naturally drawn to. So that you know, people tend to find their own gravity, their own pull. See, I, I too, I have to say, I mean, for myself, my life, and I imagine this is true for others who are like me, maybe not, I don't know if men like me, but I could say women like me, and maybe right. I could generalize, but I'm in such domination most of my life. I, right. I'm in charge of my business, I'm in charge of my life, I'm now in charge of my family, right. take care of my father, I've been in charge of people and their transformational growth in charge of this, in charge of that. So for me, the whole idea of just surrendering into that and getting into a still place sounds very appealing. <laughs> like not wanting to make one more decision <laughs> in the realm of sensation. Like just going, okay, here I am. Just do me. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to make one more choice right now. I want to just relax and have pleasure. That sounds pretty good. And it's not like I don't like that position. Hey, I love being pampered. I love being served. I love having attention on me. So, yeah, I mean, everything goes both ways. Nothing is completely either or. It's just that we lean a little bit this way, lean a little bit that way, you know, wherever we are drawn to. That's so great. And I used to think, I mean, I used to think that people didn't feel, well, I do still feel that. I still feel like most people are numb. 
I mean, I was just thinking about my whole take on one taste and my right. take on on uh, people get doing spanking and things like that. And I and I I ha- and I have this generality in my mind that people are basically numb, and they really need sensation to drop in their body any kind of sensation and lots of it, and multiple different types of it. Hard, soft, fast, slow, every kind of thing to feel. Well, you know, Laurie, if we want to go out searching for unconscious people, we're not going to have to go very far. So, yeah, unconscious sex is uh, its everywhere. It is everywhere. It's in the bedroom. It doesn't matter whether you're doing the most vanilla thing or whether you're doing kinky stuff. Yeah, there is. you will find people doing BDSM very unconsciously. You will find sleepy and asleep people, you know, you will find them in the monasteries and you will find them in the dungeon. <laughs> so, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying everyone who does BDSM is enlightened or BDSM is a mark of uh, sexual awakening and enlightenment. But so, well, it's, it's a doorway like anything else. It is an opportunity. I have found it to be so. Right, right. Cool. And we know some, I mean, people who have been guests on my show who will mention in a little while, have have brought it to the to to an art form of enlightenment, and so it's changed the whole way that certainly that I'm holding it, and many right. people that I know are holding it. I mean, it's changed my whole way of looking at things. I mean, um, my spiritual practice has kind of become distilled to a very simple point, to the point I can you know, I could put it on a bumper sticker if I still had a car. And Osha would say this over and over. He would say, it really doesn't matter what you do; do it with awareness that there is only one practice. There is only one practice, there is only one key, and every mistake, every religion has been pointing to that. Every ritual that any religion has invented has been pointing to bringing you into awareness. So you want to smoke? Smoke with awareness. That's a spiritual practice, and it sounds absurd, but that's the way he would put it. You know, he tells... he. He, would, he was great at telling stories and giving anecdotes, and he he told an anecdote in one of his innumerable lectures, which has always stayed with me, which is, you know, a man comes to Buddha, Gautam Buddha, and says, you know, I like you. I've been sitting here listening to you talk, and there's something magical and magnetic about you, and I want to stay here with you. But i got to tell you something. I'm a thief. And in I'm what? Story, I'm a thief. I steal. I'm oh. a robber. So I don't know how that's going to work with you, and I don't want to give it up. And according to the story, but I said, oh, that's not a problem. We just do one thing. The next time you're breaking into someone's house, stealing their stuff, just be totally aware of what you're doing. <laughs> and he said, you sure? I mean, you know, most religions will tell me I cannot be accepted into anything because... They, they will tell me I need to change my life, I need to change my ways. But I said, no, no, it's fine. Just be aware. Next time you're stealing, just remember. Be present. And, you know, according to the story, the way Osho tells it, the thief comes back a few days later and says, pretty much, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you ruined it for me. <laughs> ah, thank you for that Osho story. For those people listening, Osho was a great tantric master who is no longer with us. He died in 1990, but has left him 650 books filled with 
miraculous stories and teachings which are very common sense down to earth and have people be present and aware in their life. We're going to take a short pause now for a moment and when we come back on Tantra Cafe, we'll be talking again with Om Rupani who's describing to us his own physical, emotional, spiritual journey on the path of finding peace and being present through lots of different pursuits in the world of pleasure. I'm Laurie Handlers. We'll be right back. Many times on Tantra Cafe, you've heard my guests and me discuss emotional release techniques. Now you can do emotional release work in the privacy of your own home. In my CD, Shamanic Release and Lati Han, I create a very safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work I am known for in my Tantra courses. I set you up with the proper positioning and breathing and then guide you through each emotional state to the best of tribal African rhythms. Try the CD as an easy way to do your personal clearing work or on a regular basis and watch your relationships walk free from emotional baggage. You can order my CD at ButterflyWorkshops.com for only $20. Aren't you worth it? Go there now to ButterflyWorkshops.com and get your copy, Walk Free from Emotional Baggage. Well, here we are in our final segment of Tantra Cafe for today. And my guest today is Om Rupani, and he's really intimately sharing some amazing information about exploring things that are a little off most people's beaten path. And we're really having a great time talking about it. So, Om, what yeah. else? What else do you want to, what else can enlighten people for today in terms of your own personal, because you are definitely not the man I met five years ago. I mean, you might have been there a little bit in your head, but you're somebody who's, when you walk in a room now, you're so powerful, and you and people are so drawn to you. You're like, they want to cuddle with you. Everyone wants to be with you. What's that about? I don't really know. <laughs> I, mean, I, know I, I know I feel different, and I'm sure people respond differently to it, but I couldn't really point it out to you. I couldn't, I couldn't speak for other people. I can tell you that within myself, there is certainly more presence than there was. And that's great. So being present, that's it. I mean, that's the bottom. I mean, I say to people that Tantra is very, very simple. It's breathing, movement, and sound. Right. And breathing, movement, and sound brings people into being present. They, yep. they, like, they, get, they wake up. Yeah, and that's, uh, again, these are all wonderful keys. One of the ways... Again, if you may, if you will allow me for a second to get back into my head and into theory, the reason that sensuality, any aspect, any any point on the spectrum of sensuality can be a doorway into spirit is because you can only feel your body in the present moment. If you are feeling your body, you are here now. So if you want, you can actually consider that a very nifty trick. That you've oh. just you've just simplified it. 
And and then we have, you can break it down. You can be more specific than that. One of the most traditional ways is to feel your breath. Feeling your breath is feeling your body right now. You can make sound and be in your sound. You can only make sound in the present moment. And as Osho invented so beautifully, you can do movement meditation. And if you're feeling your body, it is moving now. Right. And then the mind gets still. The mind gets still. You get present. The mind gets still. You're not thinking about your shopping list or where you're going tomorrow or anything like that. You're just present. And it's the same thing no matter what the sensation, whether you're sitting there feeling your upper lip or as an orgasmic meditation, a woman is, you know, laying there feeling her clitoris. If you're feeling your body, if you're feeling the sensation in your body, if you have, if you're in touch with the vibration of your inner body, you are in the present moment. And that is a spiritual practice. That is the only spiritual practice. You know, years ago, I noticed that when I was having sex, I would go into my head. I wouldn't, I'd think, oh, I'm just, I'm about to have a, I'm about to have an orgasm. And then as soon as I had that thought, I wouldn't have one. I would just go, oh, (laughs) what happened? (laughs) Where did it go? Where did it go? I've heard it many times. I just had it. It was here. What happened to it? (laughs) And then I read Betty Dodson's book, which was then called Liberating Masturbation, but it's now called Sex for One. She renamed the book. Probably was easier to sell as Sex for One. But I remember reading to make sound, make sound, make sound. So I, at that time, it was in the 70s, I started to make sound every time I was having sex. And then I realized if I was making sound, I was breathing. So I was making sound and I was breathing and I was present. And when I was present, I could have a great orgasm. And if I don't hear myself, so I've trained myself to listen to myself making sound. And if I don't make sound, I should stop. <laughs> I should stop what I'm doing because I'm not present. I'm, it's not going to be pleasurable. It's not going to be great. So that was uh, you know, a gift from Betty Dodson way back then. I think I read that book in 1972 or 1973. And I still teach that to everybody. I say if you are pre-orgasmic to women, if you're pre-orgasmic, you're not breathing. And how you know you'll be breathing is if you can hear yourself making sound. Because it's an exhale when you make the sound. So you've got to inhale. So you've just boiled it down to really the, the most simple, basic things. And they can be gotten to and reached by all these different practices that you've conjured up in your life. And, and, and put yourself through. It's, it's amazing. You're amazing. Thank you. I think the one thing that I find it helpful to remind myself and others of is every spiritual practice is a trick of sorts. You know, it is designed to be useful. If someone says, go into the nature to find your inner silence, they're simply making it easier for you. It is not impossible to find your inner silence in the marketplace, but it is a little easier if you're in the woods, by a stream. Mm. And 
using sex and sexual sensation to come into presence is really easy because it's pleasurable and there is so much happening. There is so much, there are so many hooks into the present moment, if you will. Yeah. Because your body is so alive, it is so vibrating, the energy is so big, it is so primal, that it is a huge doorway. You know, again, Osho would say, sex is a key because sex is the doorway. Sex is how you came into this world. Right. Sex is the energy that brought you here. And here you are struggling, kind of saying you're lost in this world. So go back to that energy. It'll, ha- it'll have some clues for you. You can never get away from it anyway. So right, even, you, even priests <laughs> can't get even away priests, from it. Probably especially priests. <laughs> So, yeah, use it as a doorway. Right. Like you often say, you're going to breathe anyway. Yeah, you're going to breathe anyway. You might as well breathe and squeeze and get the... Your inner body is there anyway. There are sensations in your body anyway. Use them as a doorway to come into the present moment. Beautiful. Beautiful. Now, tell us quickly, uh, because we only have a few minutes left, how can people get in touch with you and what are the groups we... Because we need to wrap it up. So how, how can people get in touch with you and find out about the groups you're doing in New York? Well, I've started teaching my own evening classes, and they will lead to day-long workshops. I would love to teach my own version of a stroking course, of kind of a sexual meditation course. Still trying to figure out the logistics of that. It's kind of tricky. So if they want to find me, they can go to omrupani.org. O-R-G. O-M-R-U-P-A-N-I dot org. Omrupani dot org. Okay. Well, I highly recommend that people check you out. I certainly, when I'm in New York, will come and be in some of your groups. I'll be a guest. And um, I, listen, I love you, and I'm just so glad to keep experiencing these experiences with you on this path. This is what people... This is what people would have called the darker side, and I find that you're bringing light. Well, you know, go everywhere. There, there are no errors in this world. So if there's darkness, go there too. <laughs> well, I thank you so much. My guest today has been Omru Pani, who's been teaching us about the light side of the darker side. This is Laurie Handlers. I'm going to be signing off with you from Tantra Cafe. Please cu- tune in next time when I'll have another expert telling us something about the amazing abilities of the body and how to enhance your sex life. Thank you so much. Namaste from Tantra Cafe.